1: stuff read it podcast Hello and welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast, Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us, hope you're doing well. A very chill, very casual All-Star break podcast for you today. We'll get to Tatum and Brown's involvement in the All-Star weekend, but then we're heading straight to the Reddit recap, where we'll discuss some of the best posts from the past week, including why would a guy like Harrison Barnes boost this team's title chances when Gordon Hayward couldn't? Plus Paul Pierce's Hall of Fame finalist nomination and more, Joining us our USA correspondent, the man, the myth, Larbird thirty three. How are things in the USA? What what can you report?
0: Um, I'm planning my, my uh, vacation finally. I finally decided to, you know, I've been sitting in this office for months and months without getting out. We don't have it like you do have in uh, in Australia where you can actually live a normal life. We're still, <laughs> at least in Seattle, we're still pretty locked down for the most part. Right. So I'm planning a vacation. Going to go to Maui at the end of the, end of the month. Going to go to Hawaii. So hopefully that works out well and I don't get COVID and, you know, I get to have a little bit of a relaxing time. So that's yeah. what I've been doing for the last few oh, days awesome, is man. planning
1: that all out. <laughs> And is that, that's going to be your first time I'm guessing to an airport or sort of anywhere really outside of like home and and the grocery store, I'm guessing.
0: Yeah. For the most part, uh, they did this, (laughs) they're doing this thing actually. So one fun thing we did out here again, it's like, we just have to improvise and find sort of different types of activities. So, um, the, the, where the Seahawks play at a field there, they're Uh doing this like outdoor restaurant thing where they have all these different chefs locally that, you know, are, are actually serving. I think it's called like farm to field or something so we did that that was pretty fun we got the cool. go sit in the middle where the seahawks play and and have some dinner but beyond that man we're just i'm just like looking forward to him when i can go back to like concerts and and see shows and uh go to comic cons and all yeah, that kind of sure. stuff
1: yeah and seattle like where you are man like it's great you know well-known great music scene there in seattle so uh yeah i i hope that for you as well man because uh it must have felt like a very very long year and, and then some at this point
0: Yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to things getting back to normal a bit.
1: Yeah, well, How's look, things out there? <laughs> uh, thing, I went into the office today and worked. So things are, like, I guess, it's a little bit back to normal. It's still like you still have to wear masks on the train and public transport and things like that. And it's gotten to the point where people are so comfortable that people aren't wearing masks, even though they'll be fined <laughs> if they're caught not wearing masks. So there's this level of complacency that I'm becoming uncomfortable with because you get one case out there, one person not giving a shit, spreading it, and suddenly we're all locked down again. So... It's right. gotten to the point where like people are taking it for granted. That frustrates me, especially hearing about your situation and other people around the world, where like it's still you know well before getting to that point. So things are good now, um, but you know, it's all on a knife's edge, right? things could be bad again.
0: 2022, I think that's when we're going to finally try to go to Australia. So hopefully things are normal to the point where we can actually go on a big trip like that. So we're planning yeah. it out.:
1: <laughs> live, uh, live uh, Celtics Reddit podcast <laughs> right, do it in person <laughs> in the uh, Sydney Studios. Look, All-Star weekend. It has come and gone. Future Celtic Nikola Vucevic was the runner-up in the skills (laughs) challenge. Current Celtics, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown did not win the three-point contest, but totally held their own in the big event, which was awesome. La Bert, I think, let's go shot for shot here, starting with you. What were your favorite moments from All-Star Weekend?
0: (laughs) Well, I I didn't watch, to be honest with you, I didn't watch the actual game, but (laughs) it's a little bit uh yeah so I didn't actually see the game but I did watch the three-point shootout I thought that was fun at least uh-huh. for a little bit we got Tatum into the final three so that was fun so beyond that Ben you're gonna have to you're gonna have to carry me on that I'm one gonna have, have to carry the segment. segment
1: that's all right <laughs> yeah. that's all right I watched I watched the game and I watched Timmy's highlights afterwards which were awesome and sort of encapsulated a, a, a video version of this segment because obviously our favorite moments were everything including Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum I do have a few though Jalen Brown, somehow, and you'll have seen this watching the, the three-point competition there, uh, Jalen Brown somehow caught ball-watching even in the three-point competition, which I thought was amazing. <laughs> um, Jalen Brown was paying $8.50 to, to win the three-point contest, so naturally I put like 10 bucks on it thinking I was going to win 85 bucks. Uh, no, not even close. Uh, the countdown begins, three, two, one. A few more seconds come off the clock and Jalen Brown is just standing there, like staring at the ground. And uh, it's very typical with what we see happen on, on defense for Jalen Brown in an actual game. So I thought there were some interesting parallels there. And it was very sort of typical, typical Jalen. Um, did you catch that moment, LaBert?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. They've they've inflated the, the actual point totals of the three-point shooting yeah. contest now because of all the balls. So at first I was like, oh, 17. That's not bad. That's a pretty good score. And then I looked back and I was like, oh, actually, inflation. It's three-point shootout inflation. That's actually pretty bad these yeah. days. But I don't know. It was just fun to see him out there. Yeah, yeah, for
1: sure. Uh, Tatum. Wearing the earrings to the three point contest. I don't know if I've seen that before. Obviously, we've seen like Larry Bird with the jacket and everything. <laughs> don't know if we've seen anyone wearing the like the sleeper, basically, the Michael Jordan earrings, uh, which I thought was weird. Getting to the game itself, Tatum's early slam, I thought, uh, and just in general, Tatum and Brown like completely looking like they belonged in yeah. the game, which was awesome. User Jason Tatum before MVP wrote, Tatum was the only player on Team KD that has a positive plus minus for the plus seven, which is, <laughs> I don't know, it's, it's kind of typical Tatum, <laughs> plus right? Plus minus like in, a in game. game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a, like they lost by like 20 points or whatever it was. So for Tatum to come away, and he had like seven assists and four steals. And I don't know, it was a weirdly classic Tatum line, I guess in a loss, if you want to think about recent Celtics moments. Um I don't know, I think just walking away from it, the fact that they didn't seem like the young guys or the new guys, even in in Jalen Brown's case, 22 points, hit five threes, had that crazy turnaround, like 360 no scope, three in the corner, Um, they just totally looked like they belonged, and I think that's something, you know, as as diehard fans, everyone felt a sense of pride about, would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, I would yeah, I would say that uh, for sure. I, I was trying to before this. I didn't have much time before our our, um, our podcast here. I was trying to look up what kind of stats uh, Pierce and Antoine Walker mm. put up in their All Star games, but I couldn't find a really easy method of doing it. I would have had to go to like each like actual game log and and look at them. But I have a vague memory of them not really putting up standout stats like that like i don't think they really like put up like 20 plus so to see brown putting that up in his first all-star game was pretty cool it's like yeah he definitely belongs same with tatum you know it's you know we've had all-stars like horford to do like nothing in the all-star game so those guys are they're legit all-stars i mean it's it's great we have two legit all-stars i'm looking it up so 2003 all-star
1: game was paul pierce's second all-star game so to like to hold on to the sort of pierce tatum comparison there uh so starters in the west i'm excited about this
0: first i'm excited because i want to see if my memory's completely failing yeah right keep going
1: (laughs) so just to set like the table here the starters in the west kg tim duncan kobe bryant steve francis and Yao Ming. and the east uh alan iverson tracy mcgrady mj so wizards mj jermaine o'neal and ben wallace and then the reserves there in the east is paul pierce he played 18 minutes shot four of 11 O for five from three for eight points, four steals. Okay, there's there's the parallel, and and three assists. So not nearly the same showing in his in his All Star yeah, game see? there, his second All Star game. I mean, you could argue that you know Allen Iverson, <laughs> T Mac, Michael Jordan, although well beyond his prime. I don't know. Yeah. I guess you could argue there's more talent in in Kevin Durant's team this year than there was in Michael Jordan's team in 2003. I don't know. Interesting.
0: It's possible. Possible. Interesting. <laughs>
1: Okay, so you didn't watch the game, La So there's not a lot of other moments I think that we can we can glean from you. Uh, I was gonna ask you. Yeah, I,
0: I always I always have like the grandness of intentions of watching the All Star game, and then I just never actually watch it. I consistently you know I consistently watch the the like the dunk contest and, and the three point shootout and all that, but the actual game itself. And I, I, I kind of like feel bad because last year, I think they actually had a great all-star game towards the end. It was really exciting, but yeah. I missed that one too. So <laughs> that's my bad. That's my bad. I just keep missing it.
1: It is an all-time like background thing to have on, right? Like I'm going to put the all-star game on and get a bunch of actual shit done that I need to get done in my life. Um, I think that's, that's probably something a lot of people can say. And you know, like we're, we're doing a podcast this weekend because we like doing podcasts and we wanted to put something out. There's, there's not a whole lot of stuff to talk about. The all-star game happened. So we're, we're doing our best um i think we should just talk about top shot <laughs> <laughs> oh we're getting there we're getting there uh so i know you didn't watch the game but i was going to ask you if there were any moments that you absolutely hated i have i have only one but i want to ask you first
0: uh no not really <laughs> okay i was i was quite distracted that night to be honest with you there's a lot sure. of stuff going on but, but, so i hated that but uh no not that. that not the actual game
1: <laughs> sure okay so, if you're wondering what Labird's talking about there, I'm just going to say that we are no longer affiliated with Celtics Life. We're very thankful that they had us on their platform, but due to creative differences, we've uh, we've parted ways, which is fine, and, and good luck to those guys. Uh, my, my moment that I hated, the worst moment, was seeing Jalen Brown in what was basically a Pacers jersey, and as a unhealthily subscribed <laughs> Celtics fan, that just kind of um, made me feel uneasy. That's all I got. Otherwise, I had a great time.
0: It could uh, have been worse. It could have been like Lakers jerseys, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Juice Tatum. I just had a note here to to bring this up. Juice Tatum. He's three years old and he's like six foot tall already. If you wanted to <laughs> get an idea of what it would look like if Tatum played with Isaiah Thomas, just look at <laughs> look at Tatum and, and Juice Tatum on the on the floor together.
0: I have a a, a nephew. My my wife's uh, stepsister has a kid, and her husband is like six seven, and and he's now. A little over a year. And <laughs> I feel like he's like half my size already, this little kid. So it's the same thing with Deuce. I was like, Man, these guys, man, so big. I bet you Deuce is taller than me already.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's a big boy, but I'm only five anyway.
0: seven people. I'm a short person. I'm five seven. <laughs> so the guy's <laughs> Yeah. I'm not much taller than you. Does that does that translate to Australian 5'7"? Does that make sense? Australian <laughs> NBA
1: fans? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I okay, learned how to, how to talk height in, in feet and inches long before I learned in centimeters. So, um, Great. even now, like, I'll go to the doctors <laughs> and they'll ask me and I'll, I'll tell them in, in feet and they're like, what is that in centimeters? So, it's a symptom of being an <laughs> NBA awesome. fan long before you learned the metric system. <laughs> um, <laughs> sticking with favorite moments or sticking with a favorite moments angle we're exactly halfway through the season, LaBert, if you can believe it. Um, what's been your favorite moment or moments or stretches of moments of the season so far?
0: Um, I think my favorite moment so far has been, uh, well, the multiple Tatum game winners. He's technically had, I think, three now. Those are pretty awesome. And, uh, and I would say, I don't have the stats in front of me right now, but when, when uh, Brown had that, what did he have, like 45? Did he have 45 in his peak game? It might have been 42. 42 okay yeah so he had 42 and then that range uh, like a week later tatum almost almost you know got to the point where he surpassed that that was Uh, a pretty fun stretch right there (laughs) yeah Yeah. the bird the beard McHale thing yeah exactly yeah Uh, nice but that's been the highlight for me what about you uh basically just the
1: entire pre-marcus smart injury stretch so i think we were what eight and three we Had the first seed like early in the season, it was pre COVID Tatum, pre d injury Jalen Brown. They both looked absolutely amazing, and we were living in this fantasy land of like, imagine when Campbell Walker comes back, uh, not knowing how much of a shit show that would end up being for a variety of reasons. Of course, Marcus Smart, uh, calf guitar string break, Tatum gets COVID, Brown with the knee yeah. because of his overuse, and uh, and things go in another direction. But early on there, you know, like we beat. Giannis and the box with that, that game winner, like you mentioned. Um, and it was just a nice stretch there where both Tatum and Brown, both the Jays, looked like they had really taken that sort of, like almost like that 2K, NBA 2K progression where, like, automatically end one season, start another one, and, like, all their stats bump up. Kind of looked like that. Obviously, we've come down to earth a little bit now, but um, that was a, a nice little pocket of time <laughs> to live in. Um, in terms of, of an actual moment, though, Tatum's falling out of bounds behind the back full court assist to Time Lord against the Lakers it's actually a a top shot moment that I purchased very recently (laughs) for 22 US dollars I'm a very very proud owner of this uh, top shot moment Uh, La Bird how how are you in the uh, the Top Shot game? Are you interested in Top Shot at all? <laughs> Top
0: Shot's so dumb. I asked you I sarcastically it. I because it. I it, it's so dumb, but it, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I didn't know about Top Shot until actually someone on Reddit had posted a link of um, of Taco Fall buying uh-huh. one, and they were like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> and and my first reaction to it was like, "This is the stupidest thing I've ever seen." Yeah. If anyone's listening to this and doesn't know what it is, let me see if I can describe it. It's basically um, digital trading cards or are virtual and it's collectibles yeah. i mean they're trading cards but they're they're highlights their plays but i think it's easier to describe it describe it to people as basically collectible cards or but anyways uh they're backed by blockchain so the rarity of them is bla- is backed by that and and like you can buy theoretically you can buy a pack but buying a pack of these cards is like ten dollars but there's so many people there's like hundreds of thousands of people that want these packs and they usually do these drops where there's only like Maybe uh, five thousand to sixty thousand. You have to like wait in line, and uh, yeah, I have, like my first four times trying to get a pack, it was, I struck out. Finally got a pack. The same time you got a pack. Mm-hmm. I think that was fourteen dollars. And the cards themselves, or the collectibles, or the moments—I guess they're called—they're selling for obscene amounts. They're like crazy. The amounts, like when I bought that fourteen-dollar pack, the cheapest card you could buy was fourteen dollars, and you get three of them. And my, uh, I ended up with a, uh, was it the Ben Simmons card that I immediately sold for a hundred and seventy dollars, and then you ended up with a, was it the Harden card or the mm-hmm. Harden moment? I keep calling them cards, but yeah,
1: James yeah. James Harden handles, so it's like Harden on the on the Nets, so it's a recent moment. And I I pulled it from sort of the only pack that I've been able to buy other than the pre-order, which I think uh, we get soon. And uh, just got lucky. I was like, oh, James Harden, that looks like you know could be worth something. And then check the market and, you know, it's sort of gone up and down between 100 to, to 350 US dollars.
0: And I think it's even higher than that now. Um, yeah. So, my, pretty my happy old with that. Roommate, my old roommate is obsessed with it right now too. And he just, from the same pack, uh, he ended up getting a Giannis card that's now selling for over 400. You wow. two are both sitting on your cards. I just sold that shit. I'm like, I don't know. I just feel like as they released more and more, the price will go down. But I'm like, yeah, at the very least, I'll get back my initial investment and now I can actually buy cards and or buy moments and see where they go but yeah it's funny it's just a funny thing
1: it is and, and my my theory with holding on to the card and i have i come into this with no real financial knowledge or success ever in my life but that holding on to it for you know if i sold it now great i make a bit of money that's good i can i can buy myself a nice pair of shoes or whatever Maybe if I hold on to it for a year or two, it actually balloons into something actually valuable that I can translate into, you know, something that will have a, a sort of a tangible effect on, on my life financially. But uh, <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. I bought the that Tater moment yesterday for 22 bucks. There's a, a Jalen Brown dunk on the Warriors that I've got my eye on uh, as well, which is going for about 25 bucks. And I don't know what it is. I, w- I was trying to explain it to my dad recently when I was up visiting them. And my dad worked in educational technology for most of his life and has always been like a pretty healthy uh, adopter of, of new technologies. And this is the first thing. he's So, he's 65 now and this is the first technological thing that I explained to him. That just went completely over his head and he was like, I don't know what you're getting yourself into there, mate, but like this sounds like a waste of money. Be careful. <laughs> and I was like, No, like there's a legit market for this. I can't really tell you why. The only reason that there's value is because there's a market for it and people for some reason covet these these moments, but it's a real thing. NFTs are a real thing, blockchain is a real thing, like get on this. And he was just like, No, sorry, you're crazy so uh yeah. interesting times i feel
0: like the whole thing is like some kind of money laundering scheme but no i yeah. mean the, the only way i've been able to t- sort of describe it so i once i downloaded the nba 2k mobile app because a friend of mine actually worked on uh designing that game and i was just curious about it i actually was at one point considering working for that company that makes that mobile game mm-hmm. and and i mean all that mobile game is is a, a digital trading card collecting game where sure. you just like collect digital cards and and I never put a cent into it, but I know, you know, maybe I'm not supposed to know this, but I know that there's, there are people who played that, that were sp- spending like thousands and thousands of dollars in, in microtransactions just to improve their chances of getting these cards. And there's, there's no v- like real value to them. Like you can't sell those cards. You just would get them in the game. And then every year you get a new version of the game and start over from scratch. It's just keep yeah. pe- that like that thirst to collect that thirst to get a rare card So I I get it from that standpoint. I'm like, well, there's, there's obviously like this, this urge to, to collect these things and the value of actual collectible cards is arbitrary as is. I mean, they're just pieces of cardboard. So (laughs) I get it. I mean, I've been trying to explain it to people. I'm like, listen, I cashed out already. I've 10 X my investment. (laughs) I don't know how much I'll actually get into it beyond that. It's just interesting to just like play with it because it's so brand new, but yeah, most of the people I'm trying to explain it to are like, that's the stupidest thing i'm like you're not wrong
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean my wife was completely against it and then when i said i spent 14 dollars on a pack and pulled something that was worth 300 dollars us and you know the us dollar is worth a bit more than the aussie dollar um she was like okay i don't get it
0: but i'm happy for you to keep playing whatever you're doing it seems to be working so so good it luck. sounds like we're promoting top shot like we're not getting paid from top shot it's just an interesting thing i think a lot of fans right now are, are playing this right now so oh yeah it's kind of interesting but... yep
1: it's just a thing and it's all-star break there's no games for us to talk about so we're just uh we're just, you know, chewing the fat here. Um but with that, we're gonna take a very quick break and be back in a moment for the Reddit recap. Welcome back. This is the Reddit Recap, larbird 33 I've compiled a short list of recent celtics Reddit posts. I'm gonna throw them at you. We want your instinctual reactions uh to them, and then we're just gonna go from there. So starting with a post from user J Carmona twenty four, they wrote, or they asked, rather. Why would a lesser performing Harrison Barnes get the Celtics to the NBA finals
0: when Gordon Hayward could not? Well, that one's easy cuz Hayward never played in the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, I mean, really, I mean, we've talked about that now many times, but uh just in case someone's tuning in for the first time and hasn't thought about it, Gordon Hayward played one healthy playoff game his entire tenure for the Celtics. He missed his entire first year in the playoffs cuz he was hurt. So we went to the Eastern Conference Finals in spite of that then he was a shadow of himself the next year and it was obvious he was coming off the bench didn't do much at all during the playoffs then the next year he was actually healthy uh, and actually played at a high level during a regular regular season played one healthy game put up 12 points got hurt missed our entire run to the eastern conference finals and by the time he came back it was clear he was on one leg so uh the idea of getting someone like barnes by default it's an upgrade over not having anyone. <laughs> we didn't have Hayward, so that's an easy that's an easy one right there for sure.
1: Yeah, no, I tend to agree with you. There's an interesting comment on that thread by user Z gamer or Z gamer for you Americans out there, two hundred, who writes, As someone who would gladly do a trade of Neesmith and a first for Barnes, I'll explain to you my reasoning. Number one, saying that Barnes wouldn't get us over the hump when Hayward couldn't isn't a fair statement because a healthy Barnes isn't uh, or is much better than an injured Hayward we had for a small amount of time in the playoffs. So exactly what you said there, Bird.
0: Yeah. I mean, let's talk about it because I, I, it's, if you're following any of the articles that are coming out this week, it's sounding more and more like he's our main target. Oh yeah. Uh, I listened to an interview with Brian Scalabrini. I don't know if you caught that one. It was, I think it was a post game interview and he was like, it's absolutely Barnes is our target. Mm-hmm. And you'll get, he, he was basically saying, you're going to hear stuff about Detroit, like Jeremy Grant. You're going to hear stuff about us going after guys in Orlando and that's all a smokescreen. They still want uh, Barnes. and I, I think that's probably probably true. I, I even before hearing that from Scal, that was the assumption I got, which is that we're going to start hearing like it's a lot of it's posturing season. We're entering posturing season now, so you'll hear about maybe us trying to go after Evan Fournier, and that's just to like drive down the price of Barnes. It sounds like Barnes is probably going to get moved, so yeah, it's a it's a good uh, good potential fit. I was reading Boston.com. Uh, Tom Westerholm did two articles this week. One was about Fusevic and one was about Barnes. He does a really good deep dive into both and like why would you want to get them, what the actual price would be. So i recommend people check those out if they want to see more about it. But yeah, it does sound like Barnes is the guy. Um, just to, the guy, who was the comment that said he'd be happy to give up Smith in a first? Who said that? That's
1: Z Gamer 200 They also said that we had a lot of internal improvement since the Eastern Conference finals. Tatum has been in a slump post-COVID, but his passing continues to come along, and presumably Tatum will be healthier come the playoffs. Brown and Time Lord have both improved quite a bit this season, and so have and Ojale. Kemba should also be better and actually hitting threes, assuming he stays healthy, which is to say that the team outside of the departure of Gordon Hayward is actually better. So the introduction of a guy like Barnes, would allow Tatum and Brown to put more energy into their defense, which has noticeably slipped this season. The extra mm-hmm. 15 to 20 points per game Barnes would provide combined with the return of Smart to take on some of the playmaking duties should also, also help the Jays return to two-way excellence.
0: Yeah, it's a good fit. Like, you know, Brooklyn's a monster and they have now tons of All-Star talent. But if we're looking at about like building a team that makes sense, Barnes does make sense as a as a third guy uh, alongside the Jays and i i've been really um uh, multiple times on here i've been advocating about how much i i don't want us to give up on on neesmith and how you can become a potential really good player down the road but i don't necessarily hate the idea of giving up neesmith for barnes just as a big picture thing like if you were going to tell me on draft night we were trading that pick for harrison barnes i probably would have been okay with it yeah and then also he's he's got this contract where he's making, I think 22 million or it's, it's, I think it's 22 million this season and it declines uh, in the next couple of years, but it's around 20 million, and I mean, that's a, he aligns those three years as a decent contract. It's not like a hugely overexpensive contract for him. It aligns with Kemba's three years left on his deal. And I could see, you know, the big picture, if we're thinking about big picture, Barnes could help a ton in the short term. And then he could also be someone that, uh, you know, for, if, if we try to go after someone like Bradley Beal in the off season, maybe you build a package around Barnes. Like he's a valuable talent Yeah, and he'd has that salary. So Yeah, I'm not. I'm not totally against it. I don't know exactly what the trade value, um, what the trade offer would be, and what they're asking. But I'm very confident that we could get Barnes. It just might be a little bit out of what we want to put up to get him.
1: I think it's absolutely the best move that the Celtics could make. You mentioned his declining contract, so yeah, 22 million this year, then 20 million, and then 18 million in the 2022-23 season. So a declining contract, and just the idea of acquiring someone. With this TPE where like the amount of time that we'd have that player under contract like sort of goes beyond what the Hayward contract was. So I think it adds some some value there in that, okay, like we've made this decision. We've got a very impactful, a very you know high contributing player and we've got time to figure out, you know, whether they work for us, whether we should move them again, like you said, but it just kind of extends the clock a little bit and gives us that extra contribution on the court, um, which is great as opposed to acquiring you know, an expiring contract, which might be great for the season. But as a lot of people have pointed out, this season might not really be the one to shoot for with all the talent in the East. Um, Harrison Barnes also traveled to Australia and to China uh, last year or the year before last with Kemba Walker, with Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown as part of the Team USA squad as well, all playing under Popovich there. So there is that chemistry that goes back a number of years now. Um, and he's an eight-year... Player, He's only 28, but he you could consider him a veteran in the league, really. So, there's just so much upside to this potential Barnes acquisition. Um, and I guess comparing it to the Haywood situation, it really goes back to, like you said, Lab, it goes back to that health factor. The guy's healthy, doesn't have really an injury history. That being said, as a tragic Celtics fan... If we acquire him, I wouldn't be surprised if he got critically injured in his first game. It just feels like something that would happen to us. But um, I think this really, and and I'm not reporting anything new here, like this is the guy to go for on so many
0: levels. I'm going to buy some Harrison Barnes top shots if they're available because yeah, he's going to shoot up once he's a Celtic. Invest, yeah, <laughs> before his injury. Um, right, right. Moving on, this is posted
1: by user Pareo141, and it's just a, a post of a tweet by the Basketball Hall of Fame. Congratulations to 10-time NBA All-Star, NBA Champion, and NBA Finals MVP, 21 Hoop Class Finalist, Paul, the motherfucking truth, Pierce, uh, LaBird, any surprise to you at all that Paul Pierce is being nominated for uh, or
0: as a finalist for the Hall of Fame? Well, oh, no, of course, not a surprise, but it <laughs> it's is, a stupid it's question. <laughs> <awesome>. <laughs> I mean, I, I watched pr- probably, well, not necessarily every game of his career, but I I, I watched his very first game and, and probably 98% of his games after that. Uh, I remember seeing his first game, he had like 15 points. We were at a sports bar in Seattle. We we're actually able to watch it. So yeah, I mean he was he's my favorite player of the modern era. Love love the truth. And it's great, man. It's awesome to see.
1: Yeah, if you walk into my house, the first thing you will see is a framed, signed Paul Pierce jersey that my wife got me for my 30th birthday. Uh Paul Pierce is my favorite player of all time. Uh I'm so happy to see that. i I'm, but I'm not surprised that he's being nominated for the Hall of Fame. He was an insanely Good scorer, uh, a huge frustrating element to basically everyone on the Celtics currently and in, in years past, recent years past, is the inability to get to the free throw line. Paul Pierce, above everything else, was an absolute pro of drawing contact and getting to the free throw line, and that was a huge part of um, the longevity to his career and why he was able to be successful for such a long period of time and going beyond the Celtics to the Wizards and, sorry, the Nets and the Wizards and not so much the Clippers, but, you know, everyone has to to wind up at some point. Um, he was just such a, a pro scorer and kind of had an old man gain to him as well. And as someone, i just turned 34 and um, happens to be Paul Pierce's number. Uh, and knowing... <laughs> I have to be careful here not to like compare myself to an NBA player, but he, he did have a kind of like a feet on the ground old man game. And, <laughs> and to know that there's a style of play that exists that um, is maybe accessible to the lesser athletic type like myself uh, is, is comforting when I go to sleep at night. So I just love Paul Pierce. I could honestly, we could do a Paul Pierce podcast. I could talk about him all night. I've seen him in the flesh play many times um, and they were always awesome. And uh, a lot of my best memories in my life revolve around Paul Pierce. To be
0: honest, so very, very happy it, to see this news. It was just an awesome. I mean, he just had an awesome story too. I mean, we, we early on when he got, you know, he got stabbed, and we we thought the worst. And then he ended up being us sort of a surprise all star. I mean, he was the tenth pick, so not everyone really expected he was going to be that good. And just watching them in those early years coming back from you know that kind of crazy incident and becoming a a, you know all nba level type talent and then you know honestly there was points where where we were down on pierce you know where the the team was struggling and he seemed like he was probably gonna get moved i know that there were several points where we considered trading him and might have actually even offered him up and had an agreement that he he killed to portland for the chris paul pick like there's examples of these things Mm -hmm. So, you know, to, to go from the kind of low point and then once KG comes and winning the championship, finals MVP, I mean, it was just a really, really cool career um, just to see that kind of journey. And, and, and you know, I started watching him as a teenager when he was first coming into the league. So I felt like I kind of grew up alongside the truth. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was, just, it was just awesome to watch. Is there a game or a series
1: or anything on the court as far as Paul Pierce's career is concerned that stands out to you?
0: Well, one of the early ones, I think it was uh, the Nets game where I forget the, <laughs> again, I don't have the stats in front of me today, but the uh, uh, we came back from some ridiculous deficit against them in the playoffs and uh, him and Walker were just lighting it up. I think they were down like 25 points heading into the fourth or something. That was an awesome game. We ended up, I think, losing that series, but it yeah. was a good example of just like early Pierce just tearing it up and then you just get the sense like, dude, this guy's his ceiling, his ceiling kept seeming like it was getting higher and higher Um And I see a a bit of that in in both the Jays, you know, like both of those guys kind of uh, falling the kind of same trajectory where it's like you keep kind of raising your expectations. And that's what it was like watching, watching the truth.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That 2002 Eastern Conference Finals is uh, yeah critical, critical moment in sort of Paul Pierce's early career. Um, I've talked about the time that I watched Paul Pierce drop 40 on the Cavs from some very close baseline seats. Uh, earlier or previously on this podcast so I'm not going to do that again but a game later in his career that stands out to me I think it was in 2013 uh, so obviously much older Paul Pierce and he had a triple double in a victory in overtime victory uh, against LeBron's Heat and it was shortly after it was announced that Rondo was out with a torn ACL and Paul Pierce just like played you know I go back to this again like the ultimate old man game like I feel like his feet didn't leave the floor At all but he was just Basically playing point guard with Rondo out So he had an insane amount of assists Um, He was just like a, A clinical basketball player And just completely controlled the game KG was well past his physical prime At this point and somehow Paul Pierce just willed the Celtics to a win against like an insanely dominant and inevitably, or well, ultimately, championship-winning LeBron Heat team. So
0: um, yeah, I mean that was amazing. that was because that was because Rondo was a dirty Laker at heart, and losing him <laughs> yeah. helped us. No, just yeah. And I despite Ray Allen know. being a dirty
1: Miami Heat at heart as well, we somehow managed <laughs> right. to get it get it done. Um, moving on, this is posted by user Chinese Fox ninety seven who wrote, "We have a young." prospect at every position and they go on to write watching youtube highlights of our young guys from timmy's videos uh and i just find it interesting that aside from our core of smart jalen and jason and maybe kemba we have a young prospect at every position point guard we've got peyton pritchard at the two guard we've got langford small forward we've got neesmith power forward grant williams and the center of course we've got time lord all of those prospects are 23 and under all of them still have potential and room to grow just crazy how young our bench is we could probably trade a few of our picks and the next few years because a few, a few of our picks in the next few years because we already have a young prospect at every position that we still need to develop so what this user is saying is like why are we hesitating to uh, to trade any of our first round draft picks because we've already got solid prospects at every position there labird
0: yeah, it's a it's a fair point. And, and assuming that the Jays are going to keep us competitive, those late first probably won't amount to too much. I think the biggest bummer of COVID, obviously, is that we couldn't see these uh, these guys win summer league champion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Right. The real championship is uh, is gone. Never to be uh, never to be attained again. So it's a shame. Um, (laughs) tragic (laughs) it's a real tragedy um reddit user king of pants wrote yeah our picks are super disposable the only real reason i can see holding on to them is if the team is waiting for like the quote-unquote big move there so uh yeah anything else to add there on the the hoarding and or trading of first round draft picks before we move on
0: it's just a weird thing that there's like so many of these recent trades teams are just dumping out all their picks. I think the most you can give up is four first rounders and three pick swaps. And we've seen teams actually do this. And I think we have that in our back pocket, but I don't think we'd do it unless it was someone like, I think a couple of examples we've talked about on, on Reddit was uh, Carl Towns, Bradley Beal, maybe one of those guys that you just unload all the picks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I had a post recently on Reddit where I was kind of pointing out that we we have a very competitive trade offer for any major star that becomes available. Um, without even including the Jays, like there's this idea that you'd have to give up Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown to get someone like Towns. Not necessarily. I mean, you can put up a really competitive package with uh, you know Marcus Smart. I don't want to lose him, but he's a he's a valuable asset. If you include someone like Peyton Pritchard, who's now making waves as one of our top rookies in the league this year. And someone like Robert Williams, who's now making waves as a potential click Capella, and then you just unload all those picks. I mean, you, you could potentially get anyone that becomes available that hits the market, at least if they're interested in coming here. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting it's like, you know, age has taken so much flack for not giving up a, a monster deal like that, but we still have a monster deal that we could make.
1: It's an interesting segue though. This is
0: posted by
1: user Bob Neal and Van. And it's an article by, uh, I told myself I was going to remember the name and I didn't. It's an article by Chad Finn on boston.com. And I'm just going to summarize the article by reading the uh, last paragraph, which is basically a TLDR. Basically, they, they round the whole thing up by saying, Ainge, Danny Ainge should hit this trade deadline with the idea of putting together the best Celtics team in a year or two, not right now. And if you really must have a veteran presence, hey, some guy named Joe Johnson was pretty good for USA Basketball's America Cup qualifying team a few years ago. So the title of the article is Danny Ainge shouldn't mortgage the Celtics' future trying to save this season. I know we've sort of covered a lot of this already, Labird, but do you agree? Do you disagree with that? How do you feel in general about this article?
0: I haven't actually read that article, but it sounds very similar. And if people you, you want to go back and listen to our last podcast, I, I did this whole deep dive into what a, a soft rebuild would look like. It's not; it's still not something that I'm I'm pulling for. But the whole idea of that was setting up the team to be as successful as possible in two years, and maybe kind of punting on this season to a certain extent. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a balance. I mean, really, I think it really just depends on what's available in this market. I mean, if they can get Barnes for really cheap, it makes sense to get them. I mean, that was kind of the, the thing that Ainge did that seemed to be like, um, you know, in 2015 where we were kind of setting out with the goal of literally tanking and then Isaiah Thomas just became available and we were like, Oh, we can get him for like nothing, like literally nothing. Sure. So I think that's just probably the approach that he still takes where he's just remaining flexible. If he can add to this team and, and uh, really make a competitive run. Great. And if not, you know, maybe he just kind of sets the team up to be as um, competitive as possible in a couple of years. He's probably flexibility is key. I'm hearing a lot of background noise in your thing, by the way.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry about that. And to those people listening, it's uh, it's raining, and I'm in my attic below oh. a uh, like a corrugated iron roof, and it's just pounding rain. Um, yeah, so it's almost like I I my full time job is like in a tech role and. There's almost like a programming element to it, like an if this then that approach. Like if something amazing comes up and we can really improve our team and increase our title chances before the trade deadline, great. But if not, let's move on. And we've got the TPE in the off season. We've got options moving forward. Um, and that's that's been pretty consistent with Danny Ainge. I know people are kind of shit on him about not making the move, but. He never has kind of gone all in to the point where like we just have no other options coming up in the future. And if he doesn't make that big, big acquisition, um, or trade or whatever it might be before the trade deadline, like there's still chances to improve this team going forward in the in the short term future. So, um, I think a lot of people are going to be very upset if something doesn't happen. But it's not not the end of of hope uh, for our short term future. Something can still be done in in the near future there. So. Um, before we wrap this one up, Labbert, is there anything else you want to add on any of the points
0: that we've got to tonight or anything else that's on your mind Celtics-wise? Uh, no, just want to uh, once again thank Celtics Life for uh, the time they, they gave us and uh, wish them the best, like you, you said earlier. And I'm excited for the second half of this, this season. It's going to be pretty uh, pretty fun. I mean, the next two weeks in particular is going to be fun to Look at all the rumors and, and kind of start to fantasize about what the scene might be after the dust settles.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you mentioned the, the immediate you know, schedule for the Celtics. We're playing the Nets on Friday, Australian time. I guess it's Thursday night in the US. Uh, we're playing the Nets. Kevin Durant's health is in question. I think it was recently confirmed that Marcus Smart is not going to be playing. I don't know. We're coming off a four game winning streak. The Nets have been hot as well. Are you confident in any way in the Celtics of maybe pulling out a win against the Nets?
0: yeah anything's possible
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah as kg once said wise wise words okay that's gonna do it for this one if you like what you're hearing by the way do us a solid go give us a five-star rating on apple Podcasts. subscribe to the pod share it around all that good stuff show us some love the celtics like we said have the nets and then the rockets coming up in the next week we'll be back with another pod after those two games Labird 33 you're a legend mate thanks again all right man good night (laughs) all right folks until next time go celtics peace